0: And into the book of 1st Samuel. So you can make your way over to 1st Samuel there. And uh, we will be starting um, in verse 19. We left off in verse 18 last week. And, you know, the first three verses just kind of set the stage and gave us all the players of uh, who these guys were. Um, kind of showed us where this place is at. If you missed last week, you can go online and listen to the study, or you can just go back and read it and and look at maps and figure out where all these places are and who these guys are. But it's interesting because the the beginning here in the first three verses gives us all these players um, of of which, for the most part, we don't hear any more of them after the second chapter. We don't hear most of them. And uh, by chapter eight, um, everything just kind of shifts, and um, we're still going to be in Shiloh, we're still going to be in Rama, we're still going to be in that vicinity. But uh, but some of the players change. One of them being uh, being introduced, the main character, which the book is named after. But it's interesting because he dies in, in chapter I think twenty eight or somewhere around there, twenty five, twenty eight. But but the book. 1st and 2nd Samuel, and I don't know if I shared this last week, Um, in the beginning when when it was written it was just one book. It was just Samuel all the way through and then they decided to break it in half there and and kind of concentrate on the the life of Samuel and the first king um, that will be Saul, the king that man wanted basically. And then 2nd Samuel deals with the the king that God wanted in place, and so um, that's kind of where the break is. But First Samuel chapter one verse nineteen, um, I am going to try and go to chapter two verse ten, but we'll see. Um, but just let's read the, to the end of this chapter, verse nineteen. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord, and returned and came to the house of at Ramah. And Elkanah the Uh, knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with seven bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, my Lord, as as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord for this child I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him therefore I also have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives he shall be lent to the Lord so they worshipped the Lord there. So they rose up early in the morning the next day, <clears throat> and they worshiped the Lord. El- Elkanah and his two wives, Hannah and Peninnah, had been making this journey for years. They made this 15-mile journey annually. Once a year, they they, they went from Ramah up to Shiloh. We really don't know how many kids Penina had, but I'm sure she had quite a bit of kids. And, and I would bet that from her first or second child on is when she started making this family vacation a dread, a chore, if you will, as she was just coming after Hannah after she began to have kids and and probably knowing that Hannah during this time was not able to, probably being the first wife, not being able to to have children, that I'm sure she just started taunting her and and provoking her from, from that time. And so I don't know how many kids it is or that she has, but you could only imagine, even if she just had five kids, let's just put that number on there, that for the last six, seven, eight, nine years of their family vacation of this trek up to Shiloh from... And it's a day's journey. A, a, a normal day's journey is about 20 miles. But once you have kids and stuff, and them having to stop for the restroom, and I'm hungry, and this and that, and it's like, oh, we got to pull over again, and... Fifteen miles with this family is going to take forever. And so here, here they are, having to make this trip time and time again. We, we, we did see last week that Hannah poured herself out to the Lord. She was in bitterness of soul it said and she wept in anguish and there was affliction that that, that was upon this woman because of all that had been going on. And it wasn't probably her first time that she had done something like that. But it was probably and perhaps the first time that she had truly opened up to somebody else about it. Albeit There was a little confusion when she opened up to Eli the priest of what was going on in her life, of what she was truly in anguish over. I am sure she had shared it with her husband, but maybe she hadn't really like opened up because here she is once again, probably at the temple, at the tabernacle, and she is she is ang- in anguish, and this time she talks to Eli about what's been going on in her life. And it says that, that Eli, all he told her as she was sharing these things with her, him, he, 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 he says to her, go in peace, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she responds to him like, man, please let it be so upon your maidservant. And, and and she went out and it says her face was was no longer sad. And so in verse 19 where it says, and they rose early in the morning. The family was now back in worship. And I I, I don't know what that morning looked like, where they were staying, how it was. But if there's kids involved and there's, Two wives involved. I don't know how it was getting everybody to tabernacle that morning or to church that morning, you know, of having to get all these people ready. But but it just seemed, and I would bet that there was nothing that at that moment was going to get under Hannah's skin. The yelling of the kids, the taunting of, of pinana, nothing was going to get under her skin in that sense. It's almost like her soul had been cast down for so long in her life, for far too long. And, and, and now she was rejoicing because her face was not saddened anymore. That next morning, it seems like she was ready to go and worship because she wasn't, she wasn't in, in, in tears no more of anguish. If anything, she might have been in tears of joy because she was just ready to go worship. And her affliction, it seems, had been healed. And again, I have to go back to, was it the first time that she really had opened up to somebody else that was able to bless her, to encourage her? Again, even though Eli didn't quite get it at the moment, but she had opened up to somebody else. And I'm wondering if sometimes when people are going through situations in their lives and they don't want anybody else to know, and, and, and I understand you have that relationship with the Lord, but I think this is why... Brothers and sisters are are there for us, that we can lean on one another, we can bear one another's burdens, we can pray for one another. I mean, we don't even know this kid, but we're able to just spend some time in praying for them and the family and all these kinds of things. And it's like, why can't we go to one another? And I think oftentimes, like, well, I just don't want anybody knowing my business. I understand that to a certain extent. But is it possible? Could it be? Is there any probability that Hannah had never really opened up to anybody else? And the Lord was, was humbling her, bringing her to a place where it's like her soul was just done. It was undone. And she was desperate. And so I, I, I look at this and I think, wow, what happened? What happened this time? That, that 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 they are early in the morning, they're there to worship. And all Eli had said to her, and it must have blessed her dearly, go in peace. Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you your petition. Could it be that now, even just hearing those kinds of words from somebody else that blessed her, could it be that now Hannah was was finally just resting in the promises of God. I mean, I, could it be? Could it be that she was just resting? We, we, we don't know what happened <laughs> that night in Shiloh between her and her husband, but we do know that it says here that after they worshiped that they went, they returned back to Ramah. Now, it does kind of tell us what happened after they got back to Rama. But even if it had been a couple of days from the time that she was in the temple in anguish, and this man just bas- basically blesses her or prays for her, and it took them a, a, a while back, a, a, a few days to get back to Rama, and it says that. When they got back, that the husband knew his wife. I believe that that it was just simply that Hannah was at rest. She was at peace. She was good. Her soul was okay. I I, I don't know, except that it says at the end of verse 19, and the Lord remembered her. The Lord remembered her. And this is one of those times that that I I really don't understand this. I I, I don't know exactly what that means, because it's not like the Lord had forgotten Hannah. I, I, I don't think he had misplaced her file, and it was more like out of sight, out of mind. And the Lord has other things to do. And, and, and didn't, like Hannah who? I, gosh, I, I got so many people to think about. Hannah who? Which one's Hannah? I, I, I don't think it's like that. If anything, I think, and I, I, I have to put in perspective for me, oftentimes when I read stuff like this, and I'm trying to figure it out, what do you mean he remembered her? <laughs> I think oftentimes the way I, I look at it, it, it's a matter of of, of God's timing, his, his sovereignty, he he him knowing it all from beginning to end. I, I have to believe that that it is a matter of God's timing, and it is often for us that the waiting has to occur to bring us to a place. Of, of trusting Him with everything. And and, and again, I, I, I know that oftentimes I'm going, but I do. I do that. And it's like, well, I don't know why God is not answering that prayer. And, and you feel like, well, I think He's just forgotten me. I don't think He knows who I am. And it's like, in His sovereignty, it will happen. But at this moment, I don't know why you feel like God has forgotten you. But I have to go back to, it's like, no... It is all in God's timing. And oftentimes when we are waiting and we have to wait and it seems like God has, has forgotten us, it is so when it finally comes to pass, it might feel like, there you are, God. Gosh, you came through. And I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you thought God forgot you and then He answered your prayer and you're going, "Jeez." And then you realize wow lord it, it, it was it was me it was me that you you were wanting to bring to a place of total surrender of total trust it it, it was me that 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 had to learn the lessons through that time of barrenness of, of of no fruit on the vine and I feel like I am just struggling here god and and where are you and he's going like I'm here, but in my timing, you're going to get blown away. You're going to get blown away, and you're going to say, this is the hand of God. Or you look back, and it's like, okay, Lord, it was those kinds of lessons that you were allowing me to go through. Because in verses 20 to 23, it says, and it came to pass in the process of time. Stop. (laughs) Stop. I came across that and I'm thinking, okay, this is one of those statements that I believe every believer needs to underline. So underline it. Put a circle around that statement. Put some arrows there. Highlight it. Whatever you need to do where it says, and in the process, and it came to pass in the process of time. That is something we need to memorize. (laughs) Because God is never in a hurry. God is never late, God is always, always, always on time. Always. But see, it's in the process of of time. There's time that goes by and we're going like, Lord, why aren't you working? Why aren't you doing something? And sometimes he's going, in the process of time, it will come to pass. I know that it seems for us that God should have some kind of a clock or a calendar on his wall somewhere in heaven that he knows when we want it and how we want it. Can you like put that on your little time thingy or on your little iPhone, God, up there or whatever? Because this is when I'm expecting it. This is when I want it. This is when when, when, when I am like battling here. And I think we, we, we need to understand that in God's economy, it doesn't work that way. It's in the process of time oftentimes. It's just time. And it's interesting because we feel like, well, I ain't got that much time, right? How many of you guys ever felt, I, I ain't got that much time? And God's going like, I don't have no time, but I will not be late in your life. I will not be late. And He is not going to hurry something up on your behalf. He, he, he will come through when it's right in your life. And you don't even know when it, that's supposed to be. I don't even know that. You know, I often, I do. I have timetables. I have expectations. I have all these kinds of things in my life too. And there's times that God just wants to show me patience, long-suffering, <laughs> kindness, all those things that I'm going, really? I thought we learned that lesson last time. But you see, in every situation, there's a process of time that happens in our lives, and it's and it's interesting because it's not always on our timetable. God has His own timetable, guys. And, and 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 here we see that God shows up. He showed up in that Hannah conceives. Can you imagine? <laughs> I thought when, when I read that. I thought, had God really forgotten her? No, not at all. But he had brought her to a place where where she was at rest and she was at peace. And and, and this thought came through my mind and I had to kind of write it down and, and type it out and, 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 and think, if she wouldn't have conceived for another year, another two years, I truly believe that she would have been okay with it. Because God had met her at the temple, and, and, and God had blessed her, and he says, go in peace, and I will grant to you what you need, and, and, and as I was thinking of that, what, what, what if she wouldn't have got pregnant, what if she wouldn't have conceived, would she have like, this isn't working, I'm not going up to the temple no more, that's ridiculous, I was so in anguish, and bitterness, and blah, 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 And I thought, no, I I truly believe that she would have been fine if she wouldn't have conceived that year. Because God had showed up. God had showed up in her life. And he had brought her to that place. On top of that, after conceiving, God showed up in that she bore him a son. And I thought, in our estimation, she had a 50-50 chance there of having a boy or a girl, right? <laughs> it's one or the other. I trip out on these people. It's like, oh, you're going to have a boy. I, I know that the next person is like, oh, you're going to have a girl. It's like, who knows? Well, now with ultrasounds and all that stuff. But they didn't have all that back then, right? But God shows up in such a powerful way that when she delivers, it's a boy. It's a boy. And I'm thinking, whoa, in God's perfect timing, in, in his perfect plan, this one had to be a boy. He already had, had that in, in the process. He already knew about it in his sovereignty that at that time she would have to have a boy because of the, the whole scheme of things that was happening in the nation of Israel in this time. This boy had to be born. His name had to be Samuel. This man had to be born at that time. And it was Hannah that was going to conceive and bear this son. And so it's almost like, come on, Hannah. See, he hadn't forgotten you. He knew you from the beginning. He had it all planned out. But see, it's oftentimes after the fact that we're going, of course. But in the midst of not knowing God's perfect plan in our life, we battle, right? Right? <laughs> we battle with these kinds of issues, but it's like, no, God was going to show up. And then I'm thinking, okay, I know that he had to bring her to peace and, and all that stuff. But what if you wouldn't have been crying a year before, or that day before, or whatever it was, would God still have showed up? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Again, that's where I'm, you know, my mind starts like going and going. and like, whoa, God knows exactly what he's doing. And they called his name Samuel. The Hebrew word Salah means asked. And the Hebrew word Sama means heard. And the word, the last two letters, El, is one of the names of God. And so Samuel means heard of God or asked of God. Now, the man elkanah in verse 21 and all his house they went up to worship they went up to to sacrifice and and to pay his vow to to do all that stuff now i know that this trip to shiloh was once a year but elkanah didn't miss it he was there every year because it tells us year after year they were going and, as I was looking at this i 'm looking at Elkanah and i 'm thinking, here he has these two wives. he has this family, but he led his house i i don 't think well i mean, i 'm just assuming i don 't think that these wives were making him do this i i as I was looking at this and and, and thinking of of how he did this year after year i 'm thinking i this guy was engaged in his family life, and he was the one that was that that, that was putting out there the things of God for his family. I don't think he was being forced to go up to Shiloh. I think he was looking forward to this because to him, he led his family. This man led his family. I know he had two wives. It's not the perfect scenario. I understand all that. But he led his family. He he took care of all these kinds of things. And here's a man who was just as excited about the son with Hannah as Hannah was. He was so excited about having the son with the one that he loved. And yet I, I, I again have to believe that with or without a son from Hannah, he would have continued to lead his family. Because it just seemed that Elkanah had that character within him that he was going to lead his family, not his wives. They weren't going to be the spiritual leaders. He was going to be the spiritual leaders. He, the, the spiritual leader. He was the one that was going to lead his family in the things of God. His yearly service of going up to Shiloh was his reasonable service. That he went and presented himself and his family. He brought, he brought them with, with him. And it's interesting that that it says in verse 21 that he went yearly to the yearly sacrifice and his vow. And last week we saw that there was a vow made by Hannah in verse 11. She made a vow to the Lord and she made or struck this deal with him. If you give me a son, I will give him back to you. He will be a Nazarite. No razor will touch his head. He will not drink wine. He won't even eat raisins. None of that. I am giving them to you. And it's interesting because in Numbers 30, it tells us that if a wife makes a vow and the husband hears of it or hears it, he could overrule her and tell the priest, "Uh uh-huh. My crazy wife, man. She's making all these vows. New. But. But we see here that he heard about this vow. And he did not overrule it. And he was excited about a son, I'm sure. I'm sure that that when he heard the vow, that she said, hey, I am praying for a son. And and, and if we have a son, I'm going to give it to to the Lord. And he could have easily overruled and said, ha ha, Now, my son, I want my son with me. But he didn't overrule her. And I don't think it's because she made him not overrule him. (laughs) I just think he really loved the relationship that Hannah had with her Lord. Because I don't think he had that kind of relationship with Peninnah, his other wife. I don't think she had that intimate relationship like Hannah had. And so when she made this vow, he, as her husband, heard her and said, I will sacrifice with you. We're in it together. I, I, I don't think he was henpecked. I think he, was, he, he had a heart to, to, to bless his wife, even if, he, if it meant losing his son. After all these years that they had prayed for a son and they desired a son, now he goes to to, to to sacrifice and to pay his vow that these two had offered up. These two had purposed it in their heart that they would do this and in, and, and return him to the Lord. Raise him in the ways of the Lord. And I like what he says to her in verse... 23 where it says only let the word only let the Lord establish his word. The word established in the Hebrew is made up of words like accomplish, confirm, decree, continue, abide. Only let the word abide. Let the word of the Lord abide. Let it continue. And, 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 and just to kind of paraphrase it, Elkanah tells his wife, what the Lord has showed you to vow, let it be established in our hearts. Let, let, let it be sunk into our hearts because we're in it together. Now, they would still have a few more years with him at home before they would have to take him up to Shiloh and leave him. And so whatever had been spoken to them by the Lord was not to change. It was going to be established because they had established that word in their hearts. And so in verses 24 to 28, where it says, And when when she had weaned him, they took him up, and with three bulls, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. The child was young. Now, tradition tells us, custom tells us, that in that time, the children were weaned up to the age of three. And so at, the, at, at about the age of three, now it was time. Now it was time to, to go pay this vow. So as I'm kind of looking at the time clock from the time that she is in bitterness of soul to this time in verse 24 when they, she had weaned him and now they're headed up. I'm thinking, okay, maybe about four years old. That This little kid is four years old, guys. <laughs> and I have to think that when, when we have things that has been confirmed to us by the Lord as we've been seeking Him, and He speaks to us, He ministers to us in such a way that we're going, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. Let it be in our hearts. Let it be established. And then four years have passed. <laughs> And I was thinking, sometimes it's not that easy anymore. Going, oh, wait a minute, Lord. You know, when I made that vow, I really didn't have a kid. And I really didn't know that it was going to happen like this. Four years later, it's like, oh, geez, man. Now, it's... I didn't think you were going to take me up on it, Lord. I really didn't. And it's been a long time. And, and wouldn't it be just as good if he just kind of grows up with us here and we'll teach him the ways of the Lord? Because it's easy to do that. Because I think oftentimes when we are seeking the Lord and the Lord speaks to us through His Word and we're going, oh man, i got to write that down and put that in my refrigerator because He has spoken. And then a little time passes on and you're going, I don't know, Lord. <laughs> I was talking kind of crazy there because, <laughs> man, I really wanted this to happen. And now that it has, Lord, I don't know if this is what you really, really want. You know what? I'm going to go back to prayer about that. And I've had people tell me stuff like that. I'm going, no, what? didn't he already speak? I, yeah, but I think I need to, to pray about that again. And I'm, I'm thinking, um, I think, he, I think he, had, he, he had established that already, I think, right? Because you kind of told me that. And it is, it's kind of hard to call people out on that because it's like, no, really, I remember the passion that you had when God spoke to you. Four years is a long time. Lord, it would be much easier on us if we don't go take them and leave them there. I know we dedicated them to the Lord. We we said here, he's all yours. If you give me this, he's all yours. And now it's time. (laughs) No, they knew what the Lord had said, and now it was time to take them up to Shiloh. And they brought the necessary things—the three bulls, or the some people in some translations is a three-year-old bull, because the next verse says that they sacrifice one bull. So more than likely, it was just a three-year-old bull, because in numbers it kind of talks about that's how we, the age that you sacrifice. But but they bring what is necessary to 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 lay at the altar to, to kill the sacrifice before the Lord. And so they bring that and they bring the the ephah of, of flour, which is like a, a bushel or half a bushel. And I had to look at all these things, a bushel, a basket, about like that. So they brought all this flour and the wine, whatever was needed to sacrifice to the Lord. They were bringing it. And they were bringing their living sacrifice, their son. They were giving them to the Lord. They're going to leave them there. I was thinking, I don't know, does that sound hard to you? Because I know, I, as I was thinking about this, I'm thinking, what if, like, people just started bringing their four-year-old kids here, and it's like, hey, here, kid, here, Zeke, teach them all you know, because we'll, we'll come back once a year. And I'm thinking, that's a crazy children's ministry. <laughs> <laughs> to have all these kids, it's like they're starting at four. And I know you're bringing me all the supplies, but... I got Gary with me, and I don't know if he likes kids or not. But I'm thinking, whoa, that's hardcore. That's hardcore to bring some kids and say, here. And I'm thinking, how many parents did this? (laughs) Did he have like a a, a thriving children's ministry? All boys? I don't know. But I'm thinking, that's a pretty huge step for a parent. I mean, that's, that's what they prayed for. And I don't know if it was as common as it kind of seems like to us here. And here's another little glitch to this whole thing. If you know the story about Eli, he wasn't a great example. He really wasn't, man. We're going to read about his kids next week. It's like, dude, you know who you're leaving them with? Eli? Eli? I don't know if this kid's going to turn out well but they trusted they trusted I'm sure they heard the stories of Eli's sons they, they were notorious I'm sure they heard the stories but they trusted God they knew what they what God had spoken to them and now it was time to here you go lord and I will trust that whoever it is they will they will be led by you <laughs> I'm assuming I'm assuming that the other times that that, uh, Elkanah had had gone up to Shiloh, I'm assuming that he had told Eli about this whole scenario that was kind of going on. It's like, hey, remember that drunk woman? Well, she wasn't drunk, but you said she was drunk. It was last year and the year before. Uh, We're going to give our kid to you. So you better be ready for this. I'm I'm hoping that he gave him a heads up and didn't just show up with all the stuff. It's like, his name is Samuel. He goes to bed by this time. He does this. He likes it. He doesn't like that. But it's interesting because she goes up to him. when she, Because she hadn't gone ever since he's been born. Ever since she cried out to him. She goes up and she introduces herself to Eli once again. Hey, remember me? I'm that drunk woman or the one you thought was drunk. And he's probably going, Dang it. I, I, man, that just haunts me. That I messed up. She comes to him. She says, "This is the kid that we've dedicated to the Lord. We have dedicated to, dedicated him to the Lord, and here we are. Lord, do whatever you want." And I was just talking to somebody earlier before ministry that, you know, we 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 dedicate our children to the Lord, especially if you've been here, for, you know, if you were raised in, in, you know, or you've been raising your kids and you had your kids in the Lord. You know we don't do baby baptisms, but we do dedications. We're like, here, dedicate them. Do do the, what's that called the, what was it, Kilbasa? Oh, Mufasa or whoever. <laughs> here you go. You know we, we hear it, It's your, It's yours, Lord. And we say, if our kids are yours. And then and then God wants to do stuff in your kids' life and going, whoa 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 Lord, <laughs> you want to go on this crazy mission trip? I think they're, they're being led in this direction. And I don't know, that's not my plans for them, God. My plans were this. And I could almost imagine God going, I remember, I remember you dedicating him to me and saying, they're all yours, Lord. I, I know you've given them to me. And that word's an interesting word where, where it says that, that, that I have, you have lent him or have, I'm lenting, lending them to the Lord, but but, but you gave them to me. And I gave them back to you. Do whatever you will, Lord. <laughs> I think oftentimes we, we renege on the Lord, even, even if, if our kids get a little older <laughs> and they want to go off and do stuff. And you're going, oh, my baby, don't. And yet we have to trust that God, God is in it. If we've trusted him all the way through, we've prayed for them. He's given them to us. We've taught them. We've laid a foundation. And that's the scary part. It's like, well, did, did it catch or not? And we have to trust that God, God did. It's scary, isn't it? We have to put our trust in the one who entrusted us with our kids. And I believe that, that he will hold us responsible for what we do with our kids. I know some who have come to the Lord a little later and your kids were all, already kind of fashioned or formed. <laughs> and, and now it's like, now we're, we have religion in our home. And they're going, your religion, not my religion. You, you, you're going to have a tougher time at that. But if you have little ones in your life that you, you've been raising in the Lord, then trust that, that what, and, and you're responsible for trust that what you've been pouring into them, God will do because you've been faithful and he's called us to be faithful as parents he's called us as men to teach our young men and even teach our young women how to grow in this life moms are are are, are, they have their 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 spot and they have their their responsibility and that's why god wants man and woman together because it needs both i mean here they have three but you know what i'm saying and i believe like elkanah man he was right on Because he could have reneged and said, Woman, you're talking gibberish here. He is not going to go over there. But no, he says, Let the Lord establish your words here. And so let's move on and let's just read the next 10 verses in chapter 2. Because it says at the end of chapter 1 that they they worshipped the Lord there. And it says in verse 1, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is, is the God of knowledge. And by him actions are weighed. The bow of the mighty are broken, and those who stumble are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust, lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars are of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints but the wicked shall be silent in darkness for by strength no man shall prevail. The adversities or adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces from heaven he shall thunder against them. The Lord will judge to the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. As you look at the first verse here where she begins to rejoice in the Lord and says that the horn is exalted in the Lord and that means that she has strength. She has power. She has some kind of defense now. in in, in her and and she's she's rejoicing in your salvation and that word salvation is the word in Hebrew Yahshua Joshua Jesus she was rejoicing in her salvation and here's what I was tripping on as I was looking at and now this prayer of hers, this song of hers, like the song of David in Second Samuel uh, at the end of chapter 22. And, and Mary had a song similar to this one after the, the, the angel proclaimed to her what was going to happen and she rejoices. And there's these songs that just come out. But I was thinking, I thought, wait a minute, Hannah few years back man remember remember that 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 the bitterness of soul remember that weeping and anguish god was still good man he was still the god of your salvation he was still even in that time frame god had not changed but something changed in her and and, and even though she was in a good place even back then that she was at the temple and she was re, she was she was in anguish but she was praying that worship wasn't springing from her, and, and I understand that man. When man, when life is hard, it's hard. It's hard to really rejoice. But when I look at her now, going, man, God, you've come through. She looks back and she says, "You come through, God. I see your handiwork. I'm, I'm rejoicing." And it's like, but God's still good, even when we have bitterness of soul, guys. He is still good. When you're in the midst of your trial, He is still good. He is still the God of our salvation. He still has given us the horn uh, of, that we can exalt, even in our anguish. But I understand. It's like, man, she's thrilled. She's thrilled. And I, I know that she's making reference to Pinna in, in some of these verses, in a lot of these verses, in this song, when she talks about the, the proud. Talk no more. You know, when she says, in verse one, when she says, "My smile, I smile at my enemies. My 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 mouth is open towards you, and you're the shot. And I, I, you know, I don't think it's a mean kind of thing, but man, she's just stating some facts. How God raises the humble and brings down the proud, and and He will always make a, a level playing field. And that's why I tell you guys, man, it, it, humble yourself in the sight of God, because if He has to humble you, it hurts. But man, he was lifting up. And, and when you read, especially in verses like 4 and, and stuff, when he starts talking about the broken, the mighty are broken, but, but those who stumble, he strengthens. The ones that were full are now selling themselves for bread. The hungry, you know what? They're satisfied. They're hungry. The barren, she has seven kids. And the one that had all these kids, she's so feeble right now. She can't even take care of them right I mean, he, she's, she's just going, giving us some contrasts of how God, in His infinite wisdom, takes care of His people. And she was rejoicing through all this. You know, she's going, man, the Lord killed and He makes alive. He He casts into the grave and He brings up and He does all these things. He lifts up, He brings down, He does all those things. Guys, oftentimes we want the vengeance. It's like, no, just let God take care of it. You just rejoice. You just rejoice and pray for your enemy. I'm, I'm sure she wasn't like, take you know, like getting all in her grill and like, what's up? Anna? What's up? I don't think she was doing any of that. I think she was just rejoicing. But she's saying, Lord, I know what's, what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen to her because she's been proud all these years. She's been wicked all these years. And so Hannah here Exalts the Lord. She extols the Lord, man. She, she, she has an expectation of the Lord in the last two verses here. He will guard his feet, guard the feet of the saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness for their strength, for by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces from heaven He shall thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. And here are these two last portions. And he will strengthen his king and exalt the horn of his salvation. That is prophetic. There was no king yet. Samuel was going to be involved in in bringing this king about. But the prophets of old have already Mentioned that God would bring a king, and so this was prophetic, speaking of Jesus, who's the anointed one, but Jesus. I mean, back then she was it, it, she was she was prophesying of what what was to come. She expected the Lord to do what He had promised to do, and yet last week she was like, ah. <laughs> and isn't it weird from one day to the next how God just trips us out and He answers the prayer and we're going, Oh, Lord, why was I I such a fool to not trust that you would come through? Guys, I I, I know we're going to go through that again. But, you know, these are lessons for us to learn time and time again. And God is faithful. God is faithful. When we rest in Him, we can experience His peace. So go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you your petition. Whatever whatever you're praying for, may the Lord prosper you as you seek his face. Amen. Let's stand as we close in prayer. Father in heaven, we do want to praise you and thank you, Jesus. Once again, even so long ago, as this woman was singing to you and praying to you, Lord, she prophesied that you would be the one that comes on the scene to be anointed. You would be our king. You would sit on the throne, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would be sitting on the throne of our hearts right now. Lord, whatever we're battling in life, the things that are before us, Lord. Lord, if there's any who are in bitterness of soul and weeping and anguish, because of what's going on in their lives, Lord. Father, I pray that they wouldn't just keep it to themselves, but they would be able to turn to one another to get prayed for, to receive a blessing from one another, Lord. I pray that we would be giving a blessing out to people, be that encouragement to those. So, Lord, thank you once again for teaching us through your word. We ask that you go before us tonight, Lord. Lord, we would continue to worship. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.